Have you been missing that awkward passing of the offering plate in church? Have you never felt the awkward sensation of donating your pocket money to the offering plate at church? Or the awkward sensation of dropping your quarters and hearing them roll down the floor of the sanctuary? Have we got a digital solution for you? You can help support the Remedial Sunday School podcast through our Patreon, which has a variety of different tiers, including the summer school option where you help offset our SoundCloud hosting costs and buy snack food for the people we rope into helping us edit this, as well as more involved tiers of support where we'll send you random knickknacks, stickers, etc. Who knows? All the details are on our website. Or if you feel led to help caffeinate your remedial Sunday school teachers, we would love you forever. And you can buy us a coffee at the link to buy us a coffee on our website. As always, thank you. You'll be in our hearts. This podcast will discuss controversial subjects and what some may think is a derogatory way. We fully respect everyone's freedom of religion and our freedom of speech. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Remedial Sunday School, where we provide our friend Jen with the Sunday school she missed while growing up secular. And I contribute with the colorful commentary. I'm Tanya, a slightly traumatized former Catholic. I'm Claire, born in the Bible Belt and now living in the Midwest. And I'm Jen. I grew up a godless heathen in a happy secular household. I'm looking forward to being traumatized by the same stories that Tanya and Claire were. Solidarity. So you guys, why don't we explain the hows and whys of why we decided to make this podcast? I study medieval art and religion, an occupation in part motivated by never getting the answers I wanted about how women practice Christianity. I saw the Veggie Tales Jonah movie in theaters and may have participated in biblical skits in the backyard with my homeschool friends in kindergarten. I'm also a scholar of medieval art and religion who has been known to drop some innocuous Christian facts in my day-to-day life. And I'm a scholar of pre-modern and early modern Japanese literature and visual culture. I'd like to assure you all that technically I'm a certified smart person, but Japanese studies has not really helped me understand very much about the Bible, and other religious things. Thus, I have had my mind blown by some pretty basic knowledge about Jesus stuff that uh, Tanya and Claire have just dropped in everyday conversation. Basically, Claire and I, with a group of circulating guests and friends, will provide Jen with the religious education she missed through the lens of our grown-up scholarly experience. Yes, this shall be the most professional, rigorously academic of all podcasts. As always, sources, interesting images, reading recommendations, and whatever else we think might be hilarious will be posted along with the episode. I have to say, I'm already sweating, so this is going to be a great episode. We're off to a great start already. (laughs) So you want to hear about my ski trip? Yes, uh, Tanya, you were so optimistic last week for your time skiing and very mountainous wisconsin first off can i just say we're glad you're still alive yes yeah i did not hurt myself i did not hurt myself um also i want to say that i've been sick for the past week with a cold so if my voice sounds off um 
and hopefully Jen can edit out my sniffles and random coughs. But uh, yeah, I <laughs> the vocal fry will probably be a lot worse than normal. Um, but also fuck off if that bothers you. But I am well now. My uh, ski trip, this was my like third attempt to ski. And I was very optimistic because I had all these like grandiose thoughts in my mind that I was going to become like a ski person. And then I would just like go skiing and like just like be like, oh, yeah, I went skiing this weekend and like get all the cool gear later and just like that would be like a new thing. So anyways, I just want to go skiing and we like rent everything, put everything on. I still remember how to do all that. Um, I'm actually pretty fine on like flat ground. So you should take up cross-country skiing. That's what I was, I would, I'm going to, I think I might try that sometime in the future. But then again, I was talking to my boss who is an avid cross-country skier. And she was just kind of like, why? And I was like, you go cross-country skiing all the time. And she was like, I know, but I don't pretty much told me she doesn't think it's for me. And also, like, the first two times I tried to go skiing, I was, like, at legit places. I was in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. And also, like, the last time I was there, they had the Olympic trials going on, which um, was, like, 10 years ago. It was a long time ago. Um, I think was the last time. That's how you know a place is beginner-friendly when, like, they're having the Olympic ski trials. Yeah. That's where I would start. Not intimidating at all. I'm pretty sure the blacker the diamonds, the easier the slope. What was really awful, too, is I wanted to go, like, watch them, but you had to ski to get there. Mm. Weed out. And I was like, mm. I can't do that. Like, the other option was snowmobile. And no one, w- no one was like, yeah, here's where you rent a snowmobile. And or like, hey, we're giving snowball rides. It was like all in the hush hush. And so I was, I like didn't get to go. And I was very upset about it. Um, among other things, like, you know, falling on my butt and bruising my my tailbone. Cause the first time I well, the first time I went, I tried to like, um, I tried to snowboard and I've never been more bruised in my life. Like I my tailbone, I'm surprised I didn't like crack it. I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe there's a hairline fracture. I don't know. The next day I had, I was covered in bruises. Like, you know, like some people when they like say they're like, oh, blah, blah, blah. like it's more of a thing. I was covered in bruises. Like I find that it happened to me then I was literally covered. I was black and blue all over my body. It looked like someone had taken a sack of um, potatoes and just beat me with it mm-hmm. all fucking day. That's what I, that's what my body looked like. And so I laid in bed during that Christmas, because it was over Christmas. I laid in bed my senior year of high school in our hotel, told everyone to just please leave and leave me alone while I laid there in great pain. And I watched videos of Disney World on the Travel Channel. You know how they have like those like documentaries on the Travel Channel <laughs> of, yeah, I laid in bed doing that. All And all I could think to myself was I asked to go to the Dominican Republic to an all-inclusive resort for this Christmas trip. And here I am in so much pain watching Disney World documentary of a much warmer place while I lay here and it's zero degrees in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. I wanted a beach in my ties. What did I get? Pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And then I decided, and then I read Dante's Inferno at the time. So you can see my headspace. Mm-hmm. This all checks out for what I know of Tanya growing up and everything in her life. Is- yes, I, I was 17. I was 17 on my first, uh, my first trip. And I was like, we were like, oh, we need some reading. And I'm mm-hmm. like, light you know what I want to read over Christmas vacation? Dante's Inferno. <laughs> I was totally checking out with your fourth birthday party. Tanya's really life uh, milestones are all punctuated by some work of medieval literature or something. <laughs> On that note, Tanya, I just think you should take a drink. I gotta say, growing up in the Idaho, Montana, Wyoming area, the idea of someplace having secret snowmobiles is hilarious to me because they're constantly <laughs> renting them well, everywhere. I don't, I'm sure I'm sure it's more easily to get them or whatever, but like, I didn't know where the snowmobiles were. They weren't going to let me drive one alone. Oh, they would have let you drive one alone. If you were 17, you totally could. It's color. I mean, okay. It would be legal for you to, I don't know if your parents would let you, but your parents would probably be right. Well, no, the, the thing is, is that they would have been like, do you know how to drive one of these? And I'd be like, no. And then they'd be like, okay. You don't need to worry about that. They probably just would have been like, do you have a credit card you can put down for a liability deposit? Exactly. See, 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 but I needed someone to like, I needed someone to take me. Like they had people who would like drive people up there on the snowmobile, mm-hmm. but I couldn't find them. And then also I was in pay. And then like, anyways, yeah. it was a whole thing. So I go to, um. so anyway, so this time we're skiing in Wisconsin, which is like baby, baby hills. <laughs> and anyways, so we go, we get all the gear and whatever and make sure I get a helmet. And also just for context, I like to attend in my angle um, in March of 2021. Yes. Um, doing Zumba in my apartment during COVID lockdown. It was great fun. Um, tore that tendon, had surgery, all this stuff. I'm like finally able to walk again, like like a normal human being for the most part. Anyways, we're like getting on the little, they have like a little like carpet elevator. My husband goes on to get on first and totally just like eats it. They have to like stop it. And he had to like take the skis off, whatever. He had to wait. Anyway, so I go up. And I'm like, I'll show you. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to make it up this fucking hill. I did. I got up on the little, I got on the little like, like carpet elevator thing, escalator. So I get on the ski escalator up to the top of the little bunny hill. And then I wait for my husband who does come after some children and up there, whatever. I'm really, okay, cool. We're going to go down. Um, We'll like go down the hill. Well, so I go down the hill and I'm like, core strength, legs together. I turn and then I'm like pizza, like trying to slow down, but then I'm accelerating because this is what happened to me is I'm trying to slow down, but I just keep picking up speed going faster. And there's like a whole group of people at the bottom and I don't want to hurt anybody or myself again. And then I'm like trying to turn again, but I guess like my ski, like I wasn't using the right ski to like slow the fuck down. I don't fucking know. It doesn't really matter, but I fell. And as I laid there on my back and I didn't fall well, I didn't fall like the proper way you're supposed to fall, which is like to your side or whatever into the hill. Um, I fell on my back and I was just laying there and I was like, you know what? This is not for me. (laughs) 
And I realized that I do not like the the feeling of, um, because I am a control freak, that I do not like the feeling of being out of control. It's the same thing. Like anytime I go out and like go drinking, I like never really like full ego super hard because I don't like being out of control of my body or of myself. I'm okay. A little tipsy, whatever, but I don't like being completely out of control. Well, flying down the hill is being completely out of control. And um, that's like kind of the point of skiing. And accordingly, mm-hmm. Claire loves this feeling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. People who like fast. roller coasters, you know, they love that feeling of just like the, you know, the out of control. I like going, I like going fast. I mean, roller coasters are kind of fine. Like, I don't mind going fast. I like going fast. But I don't like not being in, con- I don't like not being in control or feeling like I'm not secure. Hmm. You just need to have a little faith, Tanya, and let Jesus take the skis. <laughs> <laughs> Until I run into a tree and die. Okay, thank you. Yes. But I think that could be a sticker idea. Jesus, Jesus take the skis. <laughs> just imagine it's Tanya with her arms out, the ski poles in her hands, and trying to pizza, but it's turning into like an X. <laughs> pizza i just kept going up oh yeah oh that's funny no yeah okay yeah i could have jesus on a snowmobile ahead (laughs) these are some very niche sticker ideas i think we're the only ones who think it's funny you had a dream where you were skiing on a mountain and you would look down at the snow and there was only one set of ski tracks jesus where were you when i needed you on that bunny hill (laughs) Oh my god. <laughs> so I get up, I take the skis off, I get up, and my husband's like, Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm just done. I have decided that I have tried again and I'm done. And he's like, Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? I'm like, I'm good. And so I go in and I go down to the woman who's like manning the desk and she looks at me and she goes, you're done. And I was like, mm-hmm. So I handed her like all the gear, like took off all the stuff, found my shoes, put my shoes back on. And I immediately went to the bar and got a margarita. And uh, yeah, that was great. And then my husband went up the mountain of, or mountain, <laughs> went up the hill <laughs> a few more times um with some of his co-workers and uh oh he's leaving right now no take that trash out <laughs> asshole <laughs> no to be fair no one wants to take the trash out down here you gotta phrase it different <laughs> you gotta sell that trash <laughs> just have these standoffs where we just have trash and recycling just like st- that's the thing is if a robber ever tries to like break into my um into my apartment they're like I'll know they're here because they'll just be like a trash bag in front of the door and so they'll like try to like open the door buzz in the door and they're just like immediately gonna hit a trash bag and I will immediately wake up mm-hmm. or they'll knock over the recycling make a lot of noise and then that's when I will grab my musical stand and then braid them and then they'll die and then there'll be a whole investigation and um I'll get off you've clearly thought about this a lot I think about many things Claire I've often thought about if someone were to somehow get up into my apartment 
I don't know how they would, but in theory, if they were Spider-Man. what objects are in my immediate vicinity in different parts of the apartment would be usable as a weapon. I mean, you both know I sleep with a knife under my pillow, so that my grandfather gave me. I sharpen it on the rag. Oh god, I didn't know that. <laughs> are you using it frequently that it requires sharpening? No, it's just good practice. Make sure it's nice and sharp. My grandfather got it in Japan <laughs> when he was in the Navy, and he told me that I could use it to skin animals. But it's not a skinning knife, actually. I think it's more of a like a carving knife if you're going to carve up a person. Um, it's not really good for actually removing the skin. On that note, should we talk about wine? <laughs> Anyways, I don't want to ski ever again. No one I had a ski. margarita. She's on. Then, and then by the time everyone else came down, I was on my second drink, which was a spite hot chocolate. And sounds fantastic. The end. Mm-hmm. And yes, I know how to skin animals. Let that be a lesson to you, listeners. Never go skiing. Don't go outside. Don't touch snow. Just never leave your home. And just relax on your couch. Go full goblin mode. It's preferable to being active. I am looking forward to this episode yes welcome back to remedial sunday school <laughs> so today we're talking about wine and we've stitched together um a couple different short but important stories about wine oh should and... i speak about what wine i'm drinking oh yes tanya do tell since i am the only one actually drinking wine in my defense i already had a margarita claire's mm-hmm. had tequila I am drinking wine. It's a three-day weekend. It's fine. <laughs> For you. <laughs> say that. Sorry. And that is all we'll say about Jen's job. But she gets she gets things like President's Day off. Meanwhile, if you're in education, you do not. 11 holidays a year, I believe, is what we get. Whatever. <laughs> Anyways. Sorry. Um, I am drinking a Primitivo, which in American, that is a red Zinfandel. But in Italia, where I would prefer to be most of the time, <laughs> is <laughs> it's called Primitivo. And it's actually the same grapes. Um, they've even done genetic testing on it. They're exactly the same. So you could buy red Zinfandel. In the United States, probably out of California, and it'll be very good. However, I really like a Primitivo. Is it because the grapes have been grown in Italy? Probably. Is it because I love Italy? Probably. And then the last point about why I love Primitivo is I went to a academic conference many, 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 many years ago. There's one for medievalists where we get all really fucked up. It's great. If you're a medievalist you know. Anyways, there's a senior scholar who I went to a wine bar with in Kalamazoo and she ordered wine and my my philosophy is I'll have what she's having. So I just like, ordered the exact same wine as her. It was a Primitivo and it's delicious. And so now I love Primitivo. Ooh. I actually have a, a hopefully very short uh booze and religion related anecdote from earlier this week yes oh yes oh yes oh yes tell us the story tell us the story yes so my sister and i 
Uh, so we went, we're going to a, a, a local brew pub and it was a paint night. So we we're going there in order to have a little drinks, do a little painting. It was going to be real fun. And like Jackie, like contacted the brew pub through like Facebook to confirm that they were still doing paint night at this time. And she got the all clear. But when we roll up there, instead, a, a group has rented out the back room where paint night usually is. And they are called Orthodoxy on Tap. Talk about a bait and switch. Yeah. And so my sister and I were like, hmm. And we were sitting at one table that was like kind of off to the side. We were just like seeing people going in and out of the room. And eventually we were just staring so much because we're just like, what the hell does this even mean? We switched our table to one that was looking straight in the room. (laughs) So we could watch their PowerPoint presentation, which appeared, you see, we missed like all the title slides and everything. So it appeared to be about ecumenical property i don't even know if i'm saying that right but ecumenical property in okay in turkey they had a few examples of buildings that the government had like seized at some point that had been in operation for like over 100 years or something like that i don't know (laughs) i have no idea (laughs) if this was just like a church group who likes to have powerpoint presentations on things of interest at bars no, I think I think it's the Greek Orthodox trying to entrap them. <gasps> See, I would love that. It's a reverse missionary. <laughs> Sounds like a sex position. It is, it is. And that's why I laugh stupidly. I mean, what is the reverse missionary sex position? Is it like a 69 or would it be cowgirl? Or I both? Are they both reverse? Cowgirl, maybe. But also a 69 would be a reverse in a different way. It's a very off topic. <laughs> it's when you put your thing down, flip it, and reverse it. <laughs> Sorry. I just like, I was just thinking about that. I was like, but aren't they both reverse? Anyway. Uh, define your terms, people. It's what you define your terms. Yeah. A reverse missionary is when you Uno card the person you're having sex with. <laughs> the reverse card. <laughs> the Turkish government is very Islamic. And uh, the kind of center of Greek Orthodoxy is, well, was Constantinople, now is Istanbul. Whenever the Turks invaded and took over Constantinople and renamed it Istanbul, they turned a lot of the churches into mosques, Hmm. which then later when the government secularized, they turned them into government properties and often museums. Hmm. Was there some nationalist rhetoric that you could overhear? Oh, we could not hear a word that was actually said. <laughs> so anyways, that that was my real short uh, tangent for the beginning <laughs> of this pod <laughs> that we've been recording for almost an hour. <laughs> I say the 10 minute cold open turned into like a 30 minute off topic ramble. So let's get to it. We can take a drink and sadness that Jen did not get to go to paint night at the Mm. brewery. So tonight we're talking about two small but important wine stories from the Bible. So we're going to start off with Jesus's first miracle. I don't know if it's technically like the first miracle, but it's typically talked about as like the first miracle when he's in his like period of ministry. So like the three years before the crucifixion. So like his grown-up ministry. Yeah. Not when he's um, killing children. Well, that's sort of apocryphal. I know, I know. So this only shows up in one of the Gospels, so the Gospel of John, 
and it's the beginning of chapter two. So this is what I like to call Jesus's defense of drinking alcohol that you can then pull out in conversation with Baptists who disapprove of alcohol and we'll get into them and Baptists a bit later on. I have plenty of stories. Oh, oh, I'm sure. And I have to say, this is a pretty cool miracle to start off the campaign of miracles with. So I'd probably convert. So I'm reading from the English Standard Version because I found it easier to read from the actual book and not flip between different tabs. So if Tanya wants to pull out the academic Bible for footnotes that might help explain things. John chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 12. Okay. So, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana at Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, insert shocks and gasps, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. Filled them up to the brim, excuse me. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine, and did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana and Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. So that's the miracle. Okay. (laughs) It's a pretty short passage. I have thoughts. First off, Jesus apparently calls his mom woman, which is a little (laughs) rude and kind of seems to go against, isn't there like a commandment that's honor thy father and thy mother? Hey, 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 I have have a footnote about that. There's a footnote for everything. Oh, let me let me draw my own little footnote <laughs> here. Um, fun fact: the mother of Jesus is never referred to by name in John because John's a misogynistic asshole. Wow, that's a very specific footnote. I can't believe they wrote that in an academic Bible. Some, some editorializing by me. Um, it says an unusual way of addressing one's mother, woman, links the mother of Jesus to other women in the gospel. That's what the note says. Okay, so they just don't name women. That's not clarifying at all. Um, well, obviously, if you you could refer to women in bulk, and there's no problems with that whatsoever. Um, it says C four C chapter four verse twenty one. Um, no, and also apparently he's not just a good vinter. I believe that's what you call someone who makes wine. He's a, he's a fucking great one. <laughs> not only the best wine. But I kind of understand what the host um, was saying is that you typically lead with the good stuff. And then once everyone's three sheets in, you you, you start bringing out like the, the shitter quality stuff because no one really cares at that point. 
Um, it says that when Jesus sells his mom, woman, what concern is it that to you and to me, my hour has not yet come? He is supposedly alluding to the fact that he, um, that one, she knows that he's going to turn water into wine, and he, she also knows that he will die for our sins. And, um, the large amount of water signals the extravagance of the sign that follows. So he's like, Mom, I'm gonna get to it. Stop running the surprise. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I just like Mary's confidence that Jesus is gonna do it. Like Do you know that yeah. he it's um she's got the best boy and she has to put all of her faith in him. It's like it's like parents who like overly invest in their children. And then they're like, okay, perform. Go. Mm-hmm. Ah, Mary's a stage mom. Yeah. <laughs> and Jesus is her little toddler in a tiara. Delightful. <laughs> now that's a sticker idea. Um... <laughs> so that is, um, that's the story. I think there's some more fundamental Baptist groups that like to say that, uh, it wasn't wine. It was grape juice. <laughs> which the Catholics find very amusing. Um, There's no historical ancient precedent for people drinking fermented drinks of any kind ever at any point in history. It's just as the Catholics thing. continue to drink wine. <laughs> also, mess. just keeping in mind that like juice is not a sustainable beverage in the ancient world because things naturally ferment. Yeah. Um, also, it's better for you because guess what ferm- fermentation does? Kills germs. Gives you antioxidants. Yes. And kills that bacteria. So you don't <laughs> like get the runs because you just uh, took some or, or like, um, oh, fuck. What is that one disease that I know too much about? Um, well, oh, you don't get like E. coli. Oh, uh. <laughs> dysentery i know my diarrhea just shit you just shit for days Mm -hmm. right now all i can think about is that wine is the activia of the ancient world and jesus is jamie lee curtis really selling us on our fermented probiotic anti-diarrheal beverages a lot of the protestant churches in the south um don't serve wine for communion you get grape juice they also um, don't always, which I'm sure we'll talk about communion in the future, but like they also don't always have communion every service. Catholics. No, it's sort of like a once do. a month thing. Catholics, you get blessed by the body and blood of Christ every mass. I am saying, you know, if I were to be rating these two different groups, like in some sort of like shitty contest, Catholics would be winning out a little bit more because I enjoy the metaphorical cannibalism and the drinking of the wine (laughs) now those get lit yeah they do seem to like to party so claire how did your how did your upbringing feel about um alcohol especially at weddings oh like people had alcohol at weddings like it wasn't i feel like it wasn't like it wasn't unusual if you didn't have alcohol at weddings like but if you weren't going to have alcohol at weddings, maybe you'd have more of like uh, afternoon tea kind of reception. And like maybe there'd be champagne for a toast, but like it wasn't like a 
party into the evening and dance kind of thing. Mm. Um, That's what the Catholics do. So it was just like, it wasn't, but then I didn't go to a lot of weddings. So I, I feel like my sample size here is like not that um, great. Okay. <clears throat> Let me tell you about my wedding experiences. <laughs> so... An accounting, an epic catalog of all the weddings Tanya has attended. I've been to a lot, not as many as funerals. Definitely the funerals outweigh the weddings by like a ton. But when you have eight, when you go to a Catholic wedding, Claire, have you ever been to one? Uh, I've been to the shortened one. Oh, yes. And I'm going so the- to a full Catholic wedding in April. Oh, I'm so excited for you. Yeah, so I, I, I like how the invitation says, please be aware this is a full Catholic mass. Every Catholic wedding I've ever been to, which there are two versions. There's the one where you have the full mass, which is very common. There's also a shortened version where you do not have the full mass and you just kind of have the wedding ceremony. Now I have been to both. Um, Both have their good things and bad things. Anyways, blah, 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 masked, whatever. Then the reception, we had two margarine machines, 10 kegs. My grandfather set himself up next to the kegs. He had to monitor them. We had a dance floor. We had a DJ. Sometimes I've been to weddings with live bands. That's kind of depends on your budget. This was crazy. We had this like outdoor pavilion that they wrapped in plastic and then pumped in AC into because the actual hall was not big enough for the party. And we had barbecue and there was cake and there was lots of dancing and it was a lot of fun. And like I said, there was two margarita machines and many, 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 many kegs. My mom got really upset at my dad and my uncle because whenever I had my third birthday party um and my family's all Catholic they wanted to have kegs at a three-year-old's birthday party and my mom was like you're not going to get wasted at a three-year-old's birthday party but my mom's my mom's wedding was also pretty crazy my mom's Catholic wedding and they also had a lot of alcohol to the point where one of my uncles started stripping on one of the tables because he got so intoxicated and was doing a chip and dale dance. So that happened. And often, like anytime you have a Catholic wedding, the priest is there, get lit too, which is always fun. Yeah. And then I go to my husband's brother's wedding, which was in the afternoon, and it was a no alcohol wedding. I don't I don't know if they were they got married very young, but I don't they they to they toasted with like sparkling grape juice i mean i love me some martinelli's mm-hmm. it is good it was not what i was used to i was used to a party she's grown accustomed to a certain standard it was a 30 minute ceremony some cake and then i went swimming afterwards actually doesn't sound so, like a bad afternoon generally <laughs> so i was doing some wikipedia sleuthing about this story mm-hmm. and a scholar One scholar's argued that um, the words wine maybe were misinterpreted and it should have been beer, although this is a pretty dismissed view um, because the Greek word typically always means wine and there was another word that they could have written in Mm. Greek that means barley beer. But I just wanted, I was looking up who is this scholar and he was 
Michael Holman, who was um, professor of theology at Xavier University of Louisiana in New Orleans, recently mm -hmm. died in this past September, professor of Near Eastern archaeology and religion and stuff. Maybe it's bad to make fun of this because he's died. And the person that's, I don't mean to make fun of the dead. Um, I really okay, 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 okay. We need to stop. We need to stop being like, let's not speak ill of the dead. You know what? Well, Some people were shit. Like, but this person, he had two children, and guess what he named his children? Why oh, God. He has a daughter named Calypso. Oh. Oh, no. I think it's oh. more like the Greek spelling. I know, but no. But then he has a son who, the son died in a skateboarding accident in 2019. Um, but oh, what his the son's fuck? name was Gilgamesh. Oh. Yeah, they just call him Gil for short? I don't know. Yeah, probably. I would hope so. I just love when academics name their children very niche names. Yeah. I mean, um, it's yeah. It's like a stereotype, but it's real. It's very real. <laughs> At the same time, coming from someone who has a niche spelling of their name, I definitely understand. Uh, so, you know, I appreciate the scholars, you know, wanting to get beer thrown in the mix. I, we all know that wine has gotten a lot of play because of this one very short story of Jesus. And, you know, maybe beer needs its due, too. It's very anticlimactic how short it is. <laughs> it, it, I'm like, it's really, this story, despite how short it seems to have really left an impression. Uh, but also just sort of like are we really is like the main thing that we really want to get into the weeds about here whether or not it was beer or wine because like ultimately does that actually matter it just people were getting lit and jesus was facilitating it everyone just had like a buzz at all times yeah well you know when your water's contaminated with your civilization's own fecal matter yeah you're Kind of a bad time. Look, this is where I get to brag, where I could say while Europeans were shitting in their drinking water, the Japanese had like their own sewage system thing going on and the fecal matter was recycled and the urine was recycled in order to feed the crops and everything. So anyway, as much as says, Japan, Asia was cooler. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because you're fucking official, doctor. <laughs> this is a, as a doctor, I could say that Japan is... <laughs> Japan preferable preferable if you're going to drink you know the water unfiltered somewhere in the old timey times maybe do it in Asia <laughs> not Europe yeah I mean yeah so why did this story make a huge oppression oh because it's metaphorical of, I mean, it oh, all this other scholar this other scholar who's not related to this at all but they've named their children um, Nimrod and Itamar Oh, come on. Don't name them Nimrod. I know you know. I know it's a Bible person, but no one cares about that anymore. That's just mean. You're setting your kid up to be called an idiot their entire life. Well, like, wasn't Nimrod a mighty warrior? Yeah, he was, I think. Or, like, I know it was a good thing, but, like, that's what not it, what it means now. But I I thought that's what we called people in the 90s when they were stupid. Or, like, ooh, you're such I thought Nimrod. that was a Nimcom poop. Okay, Claire. Claire. Let's what? let's be clear. You cannot be a judge of common culture phrasing because you were so sheltered. Okay. <laughs> I will say the resonance of this story has to do with like how it's Jesus's like first official miracle of his like hmm. three years of miracling and 
everything else. And um, sort of the conclusion to that is like the Last Supper. And I, I mean, I'm not really going to read it because like there's four different versions we could read. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe we'll just read Matthew's version. When we do the Last Supper, I'm sure we can go over what is different and similar in the four versions. Because that's one thing is the Gospels are kind of like the, they're all like a different person's perspective kind almost of Jesus's life. So like, so the Last Supper is at the Feast of Unleavened Bread or Passover when Jesus goes to Jerusalem right before the crucifixion and they have this meal where it's where Jesus is washed. Jesus washes the disciples feet. Really and then they have this sort of last meal. And he says like, one of you will betray me. And then Judas sneaks out. Subtle Judas. Um, so maybe I'll just read Luke's version quickly so that we can. Put the two up. together. Yeah. yeah. So it says, so I'm reading from Luke chapter 22. And we're going to read verses one through something. I'm not sure how long I'm going to read. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put him to death, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas called Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him, that is Jesus, to him, to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb has had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. They said to him, where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house. The teacher says to you, where is the guest room? Where may I eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this, and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and, said it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it would be who was going to do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And those, Who's got the bigger dick. <laughs> and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become the youngest and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? 
but I am among you as the one who serves. Um, okay, that's basically it. So, so basically we have like the story concluding with this narrative that like- No more wine. No more wine. Wine is like inflated with blood, right? And we've talked briefly already about like the transubstantiation the Catholics- mm-hmm believe and the protestants don't but about how the wine of the last supper is the it transforms into the literal body and blood mm-hmm. of jesus where the protestants are like it's commemorative which is also why the protestants in some places i feel like can get away with having just grape juice because it doesn't like matter so much the substance it's of, like it's know. like a metaphor for them yeah it's a metaphor it's it's like a metaphor meanwhile catholicism um it is turned into the body and blood and so you get to um eat jesus and drink mm-hmm. his blood but like you so you sort of have like the miracle of the wine at cana being like this sort of starting like we start with wine we end with wine mm-hmm. Kind of I, I do like the beginning of this part of the story where they're like, how are we going to know where to go for this, this shindig? And he's like, all right. There's going to be a water guy waiting at the gates. All right. You got to follow the water guy. And then you're going to go to a house. and The owner's going to answer the door. And you got to say this. I'm here for the party. I also like how he doesn't like, they don't really explicitly say like the cup is wine. Like he does say later on that like, you won't drink of the fruit of the vine. Hmm. That's really as close as we get to this being like, at least in the English translation, like who knows yeah. what the actual Greek says. But and um, that's and that's another thing is too is that um, the New Testament was written originally written in Greek. Hmm. Right, Claire? Yes, it was originally written in Greek. Yeah, I was just thinking that I don't think anyone should invite Jesus to a party because he really is a show stealer. Like, think about it. These people have been planning their wedding. <laughs> For who knows how long and like it's the bride's big day she's got on her fanciest robe or whatever the fuck they were wearing back then i don't know i assume everyone in ancient times is wearing robes of some variety um <laughs> but like she it's is her big covered day. in jewels and okay. probably has a nose ring i mean i don't think this is as much thunder stealing as like jesus is just making the situation a bit less awkward it's like oops you ran no out one's of talking about the wedding couple no one's talking about them and be like oh wow what a great wedding we but don't now know they're they not going to snark on them for like having run out of wine at the wedding. Oh my gosh, how rude! Now it's like, oh. But Jesus is also still stealing the center of attention at this whole like party or whatever because they're all <laughs> drinking and enjoying and having a good time, and he's like the drama queen that he is, being like, well, "One of you is going to fucking betray me." <laughs> here at the table right now. <laughs> he's. <laughs> I'm not going to say their name, but. <laughs> Jesus is a queen mm-hmm. and he knows where the and he is all about the drama. He is. Yes, I thoroughly agree with this. He likes to be the center of attention. It's fitting the characterization that we were seeing in those apocryphal childhood texts with him being the drama <laughs> all the time. So I'm just seeing some connections here where I'm like, maybe not so non-canonical or whatever after all. I mean, he does have some chill moments where he's basically like, stop having a dick measuring contest. And like, <laughs> okay. The okay. But we'll get to my favorite story. One of my favorite miracle stories of Jesus where he destroys a town's entire pig population. Because I can't think of what that is called right now. Why? 
Swine! He destroys their entire food source to prove a point. He's all about the drama. And by being about drama, he's taking these situations, these events, and he's really centering himself in them and not really making it sort of a more communal thing. Also, why with all the foot washing back in the day? It just, they would really love feet pedia or whatever the foot based wikipedia <laughs> or whatever it is that's out there online now of, i don't know they're in oh, the you feet. mean like the only the feet only fans accounts there's those but there's actually like a one for celebrities where maybe it's wikifedia i don't know but like <laughs> <laughs> it has some name like that i think that like it, i don't know they're always washing each other's feet and it's just oh um but have you ever been invited? I've never been to a wedding where this has happened, but I've heard through the grapevine that some of my more, um, I know people who've been to weddings where this has happened or I've heard of it happening, but like where the bride and the groom wash each other's feet at the wedding. It's like too intimate and weird for, I don't want to watch that. There's a lot of things that can happen at a wedding that I'm like, I will tolerate or whatever, but that is just like, I'd rather watch you put tongues in each other's mouths at that point. Like, it just... I'd rather watch a grown man cry while I stare him down. Who wouldn't want to watch a grown man cry? (laughs) I googled and found how we incorporated foot washing into our wedding ceremony with video. Oh, I don't want that video. Claire, if you click on that show video, it, your algorithm is going it, to be ruined for it, the rest show of your it, life. Show it, show it, I don't want to dox this person, but um, I'll put it in the chat. Put it in the chat. I mean, they put it in the chat. VPN, you're going to start getting weird foot advertisements on the sites that use targeted advertising now. Jen, you have to look at this. <sighs> oh, for me. Oh. oh, no. Oh, they're so white. Uh. staring down at a ghost. Oh, they've made the video private. Yeah, because all the foot pervs were coming out there and probably commenting on the video. But there's still plenty of... There's still plenty of pictures. God, the people yeah. that are just like standing on stage watching one guy. Is that guy playing the guitar while they wash the feet? And, and I can't imagine oh my what God. the song would oh be my like. God. Oh no, they have the song here. It's by Hillsong. I, are they famous? Love Goes On. They are a- Justin I Bieber only... goes to one of their churches, doesn't he? Well, I don't think he goes anymore. There's a huge scandal. Oh my God. Like one of the guys is like totally a pedophile and like is in Sydney Ooh, court right of- now. vineyard wedding with meaningful foot washing ceremony okay jen i need you to google love goes on by hillsong and listen to it i'm not putting it on my spotify (laughs) (laughs) i guess just watch it on youtube hang on i'm trying to find pictures of this other wedding love love goes on i mean i just feel like there's other ways to like have a religious moment at your wedding without it being like awkward it's just it's like part of me it's just like and I feel like I can say this since I was raised like very evangelical it's like sometimes I feel like evangelicals are just like trying to incorporate other traditions or making up traditions because there's not a lot of it's like just own the fact they don't have as formal ceremonies and like ritual stuff as other you just want to be if you want the ritual convert to Catholicism yes (laughs) Like, you don't need to appropriate Passover and have a setter. You don't need to, like, make everyone watch you wash your soon-to-be spouse's feet. Like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to touch my husband's feet now. 
Or it's like if this is really meaningful, you to like do it in private. Have it be your first look. Like, like listen, there are places you can go where they cater to this sort of thing, and it's totally normal and reasonable. There. Okay, 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 okay. L- all right, guys, I've got the Hillsong update. So, the um, so Hillsong is a church that is like became really popular with music. Jid, did you listen to the song? I listened to about the first thirty seconds of it while we were talking, and I had to stop it before my ears started bleeding that's how i feel about worship music i hate worship music i hate it so much we will do a bonus episode at some point about how i so fucking hate worship Look at music the pictures in the next link i sent you oh my god i'm scared super sweet fush washing why are all these white people look the same they look like little hipsters and they're like, we're gonna wash the feet, and we're hipsters. We're like cool, ki- we're cool Christians. Ugh. Anyway, so Hillsong is um they like make pretty much like our our modern understanding of worship music. So I personally already am like super biased because I just fucking hate it so much. But I have good reason because the founder of Hillsong, um, was a child rapist, and uh they are his son is currently has been at court and this is from the guardian hillsong church founder pastor brian houston allegedly told a man who had been repeatedly raped as a child by houston's father quote you know this is all your fault you tempted my father end quote um Holy victim blaming Batman. Um, yeah. The man who was sexually assaulted by Pastor Frank Houston as a child said he was pressured by the church not to report it to the, quote, secular courts and told he would be abandoned by the church if he reported his assault to police. And pretty much um, Brian Houston, uh, who's the guy on trial right now in Sydney, is on trial for failing to report the abuse to police after his father confessed in 1999 to sexually assaulting the boy. Yeah, but they, like, founded Hillsong, and, like, Hillsong, like, grew, and they make worship music, and it's disgusting. And, yeah, they're, like, full of, like, child abusers, and there's a podcast on Spotify about Hillsong that you can listen to, though there's specifically a lot talking about um uh there's definitely like the preacher in hillsong in new york city is also really bad and also, it's like hillsong's like going I, I feel like there was an article about like this isn't nearly as bad as like child rape bad but like hillsong was also like i feel like there's a buzzfeed article about how like they don't pay the artists who like well that's what i was really about popular to say. singing their worship songs like they don't get any money from that like it all goes well to be fair it's garbage music so. <laughs> but like it's getting all these streams on spotify but all the money's going back to hillsong not the artists singing mm. but also but like, like i mean you don't mean how much spend off of spotify but yeah but it but still but like I, I know what you're saying and like the thing is too and like people have like bought albums and stuff like they've been popular since like the 90s and the other thing is too is that like their whole like they even have like a college like it's such it's so fucked up it's a lot like Scientology I feel like and they um but they have like all of this they like get all their people to come and like give all this free labor 
mm-hmm. where like people have like full-time jobs doing other things and then they spend like every other waking moment at their church as like quote service which is this bullshit that happened to my husband is that whenever he was going to his Baptist non-denominational aka Baptist with less rules as Shelby has let us know the they like kept saying like well you need to like volunteer all this time spend all this time in the church for um for your service and they but at the but at the same time they weren't compensating him at all meanwhile he had like a paying gig elsewhere and for like a different church that ended up turning to be like a huge like scam and um i can tell you about that later anyways it's pretty much like this whole like culty thing where they're just like you have to like your salvation is dependent on your service to the church but then we're not going to we're going to demand all this from you and we're going to get all this free labor from you and but it's okay because it's your like religious service and it's like no millennials don't want to work for nothing at like their real jobs they also don't want to like give their entire fucking blood sweat and tears to their worship like that is just bullshit don't get paid an experience even if that experience is a heavenly one but i think it's interesting is that hillsong came out of like australia like yeah 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 yeah. they're very they're uh, yeah it's like it is it is very interesting since they're coming out of australia like it's not where you think that they would come from you think that they come from somewhere in the u.s but yeah no they're um they're in australia so if you're yeah. gonna creepily wash your spouse's feet in front of your friends and family in a weird awkward moment Pick a different soundtrack. You also probably believe in complementarianism. I mean, we should give each other compliments. A no. unity candle is a lot less messy and time-consuming. And yes, involved. You don't have to sit down and take your shoes off and like. Hmm. What do you, like that's just. It's like your. It's like the whole message of doing that, and like the Pope does it, but the Pope does it where like he goes to um, like other people. Or he goes to like a prison and he washes their feet and it's supposed to symbol it's supposed to symbol humility. I just think it's weird that it's getting like gotten like adopted into like weddings because like it's not really like a wedding. I've it's, only come across it and like like really some thing. Protestant churches will do it at like Monday Thursday services for like Holy Week like as like before Good Friday like before Easter and like that there's actually like a connection of like. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. So at this service, like just a spa day with the bros. Yeah, but it's just like it's like okay, well, like this fits in. Like there's a historical, like a like a, a traditional basis of like why we would do this in this like ceremony of like you know like how the kids walk in waving palm fronds on Palm Sunday. Like I just think it's weird at a wedding. Yeah, we will have to talk about Palm Sunday. Be in our biblical origami episode because i have so much to say about that but i will not but i think we could do a whole episode about weird religious wedding stuff so what's what's the big message about like it's just it's such a weird thing to focus on of all the things that like jesus did like this wine like the jesus and wine is just like i don't know probably like the first thing you learn if you're not like at church or whatever (laughs) (laughs) like you learned about the association with jesus and wine yeah (laughs) nobody knows i i say it's proof that you're supposed to get lit and there's supposed to be alcohol at a wedding and if there's not you're not a real christian 
I think the message is that Jesus is a wine mom. And whenever he attends the parties, he brings the drama. And the wine. And the that wine. might be Mary, though, because she was the one that was like, Jesus, you got to do something about this. Like, Jesus is just like, uh, I don't want to. See, that? I think it's the thing that was like really reluctant. I thought it was just like, no, it's not time for my moment yet, mom. <laughs> Wait till we completely run out. God. It's more dramatic that way. <laughs> but everyone get upset and then i'll perform my miracle they'll remember it better <sighs> but yeah i really want fun. more details about what kind of wine it was though was it a primitivo was it italian it was apparently good it was top notch top tier a good brew honestly what i take away from this episode is um jesus on skis jesus take the skis <laughs> jesus take the skis <laughs> Well, <laughs> I guess until our um, next lesson. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.